Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And a mouse keep running, running, and 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 running, running, Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Weekly Roundup Show for books that came out October 28th this week. We have a couple books coming out, not necessarily a huge book, no huge number ones that we'll be dealing with a number one one shot. It just wasn't that good. But before we get into all of that, let me tell you where you can find us. We are on Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. WS stands for Weird Science. And if you follow us, we will follow you right on back. That is a ironclad rule by myself. We're also on a website that we have, WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com, where we have news, reviews, and the previews each and every week for the books. And also we have a larger podcast, one that is a little more in-depth with each of these books and some more because we have two episodes a week. We end up having a regular weekly show that comes out Wednesday night that I do with my man Brandon up in Buffalo. And then we also have an X-Men specific podcast that comes out usually on the weekend. I'm trying to get my man Ruben involved. Ruben. And he has been having problems connecting with me. So we end up where eventually I want it to come out on Sunday, but it may be Monday if Ruben can end up joining me. But still, if you go and look up Weird Science Marvel Comics, you will certainly find us in all of your podcast players. And then you can listen to what you want. If you want to listen to one of the episodes, both. Uh, you know, more, I don't know. But yeah, that is all of where we are. So let's get into this week, which I was fairly positive this week with the books. A, a couple books that I always do enjoy will come out. One book actually picked up the pacing from the first issue. I'm, I'm alluding to these, but you can kind of see what they are in the show notes. And then we get a book that I end up saying is good if you like it if you don't it's not never really a good jumping on point but i like it so i'm good with that then we get that crappy one shot and then we end up with spider-man 
That is continuing the kindred story, last remain stuff that I am still intrigued with. But let's get going here with a book that I always enjoy, though not as much as when it started. And that is Strange Academy. And we'll be talking about Strange Academy number four. And Strange Academy number four is written by Scotty Young with art by Umberto Ramos. And when Strange Academy came out, it pretty much was a dream come true for me. You know, just me, nobody else. Because it's young heroes. They're learning magic from some of the craziest teachers in the Marvel Universe in a school created by Doctor Strange. And yeah, it's kind of Marvel's version of Harry Potter. And by that, I mean it's pretty damn awesome, right? It's awesome. And I was a little down on the last issue only because I want more of the kids. And I want more of the kids in class with the teachers because that is a perfect setting. And really, go with the Harry Potter formula. You already are doing it. Don't try to shy away from things just because people will throw shade because they're going to anyway. Anytime from here to eternity, that you end up having any sort of book, movie, TV show, anything that involves kids at a magical school, you are going to be told that you're just doing Harry Potter. Just run with it and have fun because it is. The classroom is the perfect setting to get to know new characters as they go through magic classes together. And and when you have them run by just awesome characters then that ups the ante i mean you have dr voodoo scarlet witch magic damon hellstrom these are some of the characters that are teachers though we don't really take advantage of that scotty young really hasn't done much with the teachers since the first issue and the kids you're kind of doing other things besides classes. And for a first arc of this book, I really just could have had them in class, see who's good at what, what type of magic they do, all these things. It would be awesome. These things are the thing I got excited about, about this book. And I'm still excited about it because I do love the art. I do love the characters, at least what we get from them. But instead of class, instead of that, we're, we're doing things like last issue where they were walking around New Orleans. You know, I, I don't, that's fun enough, but I need the characters first so that when they go to New Orleans, you can end up knowing, oh man, that's going to trigger this person or that's going to make that person do that. You know, but we're not there. I'm not settled down with characters like Herman or even Calvin, you know, who ends up in this issue having a crazy cliffhanger. You are getting some of the main characters, Emily, and things like that. But even that, not enough. In this issue, we kind of do the same thing of last issue. But this one, the kids are playing tag using teleporting doors that take them to some cool places. Weird world. You go to Asgard. All these things. That's fine enough. And that seems like a lot of fun. And it can be. But I still really want to know more about these characters, their interactions with each other, and what magic is going on. A lot of the things that's weird about this book, we're not getting a ton of magic in a school for magic, but we just need to get back to that, my mind, I want to know about these, that we do learn that Zoe is a zombie here, and that was kind of hinted at in the last issue when they were in New Orleans, but you know, you get that, but I need I need more. And we do see 
the tree-like villains of Hollow, and you can guess, and even they kind of spell it out, their connection is they're pissed off at the cost of magic not being a thing for these kids at Strange Academy. Strange Academy, it was spelled out before that you end up, Zelda end up saying it, that the cost of magic is kind of negated so that these kids don't end up in hell, right? So you have to do something with that. And it was it was kind of a neat aside to see that Scotty Young was paying attention to this and knew, you know, the concept of what he was doing. So we're going to see that maybe that will come and bite them in the ass in a different type of way. And I am a Scotty Young fan. I love Umberto Ramos's art here. I just need more of the focus on the kids and want to see them in class with the cool teachers. You have a setup there that's solid gold. Why are you wasting it? Though I still recommend this book. I still like it. It's still one of my favorites that come out each and every time it comes out. I, I always grab it right away. It's one of the few books that I will read right away before I sit down, do my reviews, do podcasting and things like that. There's only two books at Marvel that I actually do that with, and that is Strange Academy and Daredevil. And if you've listened to any of the podcasts, you know how much I love Daredevil. So again, I, I would say pick this up. If, if you like young characters that aren't involved with Outlaw, I mean, that's one of the best things about it. There's nothing with the Outlaw story here. These young characters get, but I need a little more classes. I need some magic. I need some of these teachers. Uh, that's the fun stuff that I really, really want. And then when that happens again, through the roof i'll be telling everybody to read it as i did after the first two issues but we're going to go off to a book that is on its second issue and a and at first issue i was a little down with and it's shang chi and i'm a big fan of gene luan yang i i love him i think he's a gem and i really think that this book could be special the problem with the first issue where you have shang chi and you need to grab people. You need to get them involved. And I thought that the first half of the first issue was a bit of a slog to get through. You were throwing in a lot of heavy lifting, background history, things like that. That, yes, it's needed. And it does come to play in this issue. But something like Shang-Chi, I think that you really need to grab people right away to show everybody why this book could be cool, why they would want to read it. And I don't think it quite grabbed that in the first issue. This issue, though, if you end up... You know, continuing on, if you didn't just read the first issue and say, yeah, I don't know about this. This actually does end up being pretty cool. You start to get some more of, you know, martial arts, kung fu movie tropes that I love, things like that. But also really good character work here. And we'll get into it now. And of course, this is Shang-Chi number two, as I said, written by Jin Luan Yang, art by DK Ruan and Philip Tan. And again, I didn't really love the first issue of Shang-Chi. I liked it enough. I am a huge Gene Luan Yang fan. But yeah, the, the first part of that book was bogged down, background information. I know it's necessary, but in a niche title, you need to get the reader right away. And it did pick up by the end. You did end up having it pick up at the end where you see Shang-Chi... And his sister, Shi Hua, becoming aware of each other and the difference of Shang-Chi. I got to go save my sister as Shi Hua's sisters. I got to go kill my brother. All of these things going on. It really all hinges on this whole five weapons society and the idea that Shi Hua seems to think she's been dissed by her father, which she was, we see here, but is mad that Shang-Chi is now 
chosen spiritually as the head of the five weapon society in his clan of the deadly fist deadly hand here so we go off and in this issue why i did like it is we do focus on shang chi and his sister shi hua and see what led to she being so damn pissed off at her father and brother because when they were kids they loved the crystal cakes i liked the crystal castles kind of i didn't really i just wanted to say that but i'm not a big crystal castles fan i know that it's supposed to be a classic i'm not a big fan but crystal cakes they sound good and they were big fans and they end up at one point as kids Kind of being pissed off. Oh, the, the baker, he said that there was no more crystal cakes. And the candlestick maker, he agreed with them. So they end up sneaking around and they go to what they think is the storage area for the crystal cakes. Oh, we're going to prove him wrong. They end up where you do see Shang-Chi using his power. His fit. Boom, open up a door. They go in and it looks like there's some mystical sort of autopsy stuff going on where... These guys are on these tables and it's they're scared. Their little kid Shang Chi's like, I, I'm gonna touch him. Watch this, and goes up and th- and they kind of come to life as their father Zen Zhu comes and says, "What are you doing in here, you guys?" And ends up starting to choke out Shang Chi. Looks like he is going to kill Shang Chi, saying, "You're disobedient. This is what I get for all the things I've done for you." Well, you end up getting Shi Hua comes behind him. And hits him with a hammer, which is kind of, you know, foreshadowing that she's gone. She gets sent away. Shang-Chi says, as, you know, Zen Zhu is about to kill his daughter, Shang-Chi's sister, says, please, father, don't kill her. Don't do that. I promise I'll end up doing whatever you say if you spare her. Well, you end up having Zen Zhu then say, listen, yeah, I'll, I'll do, you know, I'll be nice for this, but... You can't have distractions. Family, distraction. I'm taking care of your sister. Shang-Chi thought that meant that he killed her, that Shi Hua was dead. So when he finds out that she's alive, that's why he was excited. Well, she tells him then, as they come together and start talking, uh, yeah, I got sent to Russia. I became the champion of the Hammer Clan. Pretty good with the Hammer. Remember when I hit Dad with that one? It was crazy, right? And, yeah, I ended up doing that, but now I'm back. and. As this is going on, the last issue, I said, the cliffhanger of last issue, you saw that Shi Hua wants to kill her brother Shang-Chi. And so when she's like, hey, try these crystal cakes. Ooh, we already saw they love those. And he's like, all right, don't mind if I do. And starts eating them. I'm like, those are definitely poisoned. What do you do? But he doesn't know. He thinks his sister's happy to see him. She's not. And it is poison. And seemingly it, it is Shang-Chi dying here, but then coming back because his skeleton spirit father ghost ends up bringing him back. He's there. Then he's going to fight through some zombies, all this stuff going on. Well, the big thing about this is, is that Shi Hua does fully say, listen, I'm jealous when father ends up picking the head of the five weapon society. It's the idea. And we saw this in the last issue uh, a fire goes on this ornate five weapon society, you know, uh, thing on the wall. I'm trying to think of what it is. It's just a wheel with a bunch of the clans and then a little thing that goes on fire there, whoever is supposed to lead. And it is Shang-Chi and the deadly hand that is the head of the country. She doesn't like that. So she figures if I kill Shang-Chi, 
then the Hammer Clan will be the one, and I'll lead us, and I should, because I'm kick-ass. I had to grow up in Russia. Nobody wants to do that, and here I am. So while that's going on and he ends up dying, coming back, you do get two characters from the first issue that actually intrigued me. You get Sister Dagger, this little girl, and a big guy, Brother Saber, that come and grab Shang-Chi. They fight their way out. Then to be on a boat to head towards what is now again looks like the skeletal ghost father of Zheng Zhu. And when you have all this going on, it is stuff that you will see in, in some like Wu-Tang films and things like that. So I really do enjoy it. Even at one point, you have Shang-Chi get stabbed in the side and he's bleeding out the night sky and the stars. It's a crazy look. It's hard to explain. It really is. It's hard to explain all of this stuff. But if you are a fan of martial arts, kung fu stuff, or Shang-Chi in particular, you know, I would say pick this up now. After the first issue, I was a little off. I said I, I was a little bit like, eh, I'm, I'm getting into this now. Now that we're concentrating on the characters in the here and now and what's going on. And I love Jin Luan Yang. So I have faith that this will be a quality mini series before it's over as well. I still worry that not a lot of people would be grabbing this, but it's worth a look. It is really is. And the, the art's good. I prefer the current day stuff because you have DK Ron doing the current day, Philip Tan doing the flashback art. The flashback art to me is a little rough, but it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a different style. It's a little scratchy, a little pencil heavy. So it's not really my thing, but it's still good enough. You know, it doesn't ruin the story. But yeah, I'd say pick this up. But I'm going to go off to uh, the next book. Which a lot of people already are picking up. It's Immortal Hulk. And Immortal Hulk is, is one of those when you talk about it, it really is hard to talk about issue to issue because it relies on so many things that came before, every issue that came before. So that also is a hard thing for me to say, you should jump on this right now. You really have to go back and start from the beginning, but let's get into that. Immortal Hulk number 39 is written by Al Ewing, art by Joe A. Bennett. And again, it's hard to explain issue to issue, especially to people who haven't been reading it. It's one of those that each and every issue builds on the last and the last and everything as it goes towards what supposedly is the ending in issue number 50. And it's been a story where Al Ewing is using the idea of the Hulk and the Gamma as a spiritual thing, but also a disassociative disorder thing a mental illness type deal with Bruce Banner and showing the abuse that he suffered under Brian Banner's father as a kid, things like that. It's been well played out. And by this point, you do feel bad. I mean, you feel bad for Bruce with what's going on as now the leader is trying to take over all the hulks to be able to then take over the down below and the green doors and all these things. And if you haven't been reading, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But it's a slow burn. And again, I always say, if you've been enjoying it up to this point, there is never really, except issue 25, which I promised, but never really any real reason to ditch it, except maybe that you're getting a little tired of the same thing. That's the problem. It's a cool idea to have a slow burn story that does lead from one issue to the next. Everything matters. All that stuff but if you're not really down with the story or you liked it, but it's get, and I'm sort of getting towards the idea of I, I just want to see the ending 
and then get a Hulk that's a little different. Get a Hulk, and and it's one of those, yeah, can we have five Hulk books at one time? I don't know, but I don't mind thinking that maybe a Hulk book where a Hulk does smash and and Hulk does go and do some crazy that maybe that would be well-served as well so that people can kind of get the feeling of both. And there are points where there's action in this book, but it's more it's more the cerebral stuff and the spiritual stuff and, the, you know, that metaphysics. It's all with that. But I am surprised because last issue you had Devil Hulk, and Devil Hulk shows up ready to kick ass and take names. But he, he comes ripping up at this issue – he gets ripped apart himself, mainly because Bruce Banner Hulk ends up not wanting revenge. The whole thing for Devil Hulk came out when he was a little kid. You know, and, and as a real little kid there, you don't understand everything. So somebody mean to you, you want to just get back at them. It's a very you know childish type deal. Well, since then... The Hulk really wants love and acceptance over revenge and murder and really does not like to have people arguing around him and yelling and screaming, just wants to stop that. But that plays right in the leader's hands as Devil Hulk's ripped apart. He ends up even showing that he had taken over uh, Brian Banner earlier so he can kind of throw him out there and like, oh, man, I'm your father, all this. And again, really counting on the idea that Hulk and Bruce Banner, they don't want to kill their father. They want to get the acceptance and love from him. And it's an evil thing for the leader to do. It really does end up getting him mad. As you see, Devil Hulk being ripped apart. And then poor Hulk's just sitting there, you know, trying to apologize to Joe Fixit, saying, I just didn't know what was going on. And you even get that where you have Hulk there on the page by Joe Bennett. But yet he seems like like that's just a little kid in there. That that is a even somebody who's having problems, you know, keeping up with the pace of things going on. He's a little slow, but he can't. Di- so he just reacted and then says to Joe, "Fix it!" Like everything was going too fast. I I, I didn't mean to do that, and I just wanted people to stop. And he's getting all upset, and you feel upset. Joe Fix is my favorite in this. He just yells and screams. He's so mad at the Hulk, and they're like, what the hell happened? But I hate seeing the leader taking advantage of the Hulk like this. And he, the Hulk, again, he's just like a little kid who wants people to stop fighting and then reacts. And that's that's the Hulk reacting. Smash Hulk, boom. And it ends up you know, showing even more with Joe fix it all the shattered mind of Bruce Banner and what he ended up doing as these defense mechanisms plus the gamma, all these things coming to make all these Hulk personas. And you end up with the issue where Hulk and Joe fix it. They're, they're captured by a gamma flight where we saw before that's who shot Hulk in the head, but also that Bruce Banner himself, he ended up getting sucked down to hell and there's trouble. I mean, he the shit has hit the fan now, and it's going to continue, and it's good. I thought that maybe when Devil Hulk came out, he was just going to rip the leader apart. You're done. But what you end up having Al Ewing do in a, a pretty clever way is to show you, oh, my God, Devil Hulk. Oh, the, oh, no, no. The leader, he has a plan. He has a plan for all these. He thinks on his feet. He's smarter. He's be- so he is still in control. 
The book looks great. I mean, it has anytime Joe Bennett's on and the colors too, it just pop. I read it digitally. And even with the, the fluorescent greens in this are just, they're so like in your face cool and all that. And I, I like this book. It's a slow burn. That's usually not my thing. So that'll show you how much, you know, this is. It's quality. It's a quality book. I can't say anything real bad about it because of how good the quality is. If you are into a story that has gone on 39 issues, if you're not into that, if you like quick little arcs, different, a a variety of things, maybe it wouldn't be your thing. But it is good. I think that if you haven't read it, just if you have Marvel Unlimited, go and and start reading it there, see how far you get and things like that. And you may end up reading them all and then wanting to buy this, you know, all that. So that'd be cool. But I, I do like this. I recommend it. And, yeah, we're heading to a big ending, it seems, Joe Bennett said, in issue number 50. So we're getting there. We're not quite there. But I'm going to go up now to a one-shot, a number one one-shot that I was excited about because I'm a Black Widow fan. And, and not this one. I ended up reading it. And, really, it's by Ralph Macchio. And and I want to believe it's The Karate Kid. And then after reading this, I don't because I like Ralph Macchio, The Karate Kid, and don't want to, you know, besmirch his name with this garbage because I did not like it at all. And before that, though, we'll go off to some ads. And I had some people asking me about the ads, the adverts, as they say. And I don't have anything to do with that. I send, you know, the deal. I'm here to talk about the comics. But they did mention that the ads are popping up in weird spots and that they seem to be messing up the timestamps. That I'm in, I'm involved with the timestamps as they're recorded. So I'm going to try to see what's going on and see if I can let them know that things get a little wonky. I think that what happens are you end up having the ads show up and then that is not being taken into account as you continue with the timestamps. I ended up, somebody said, the DC podcast that I actually recorded yesterday had that issue where they went to listen to the three jokers and it was nowhere near where the three jokers where everything was wonky. So I'm going to try to figure that out or at least pass that on again. It's, it's not my part of this. I'm just here on the network doing my thing. You know, I like to sing and do my thing as I never said ever until that point. And I realize now why I never would. So we'll go off to that. And then I'm going to be back with that Black Widow book that I hate it, but also the amazing Spider-Man. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back. Hopefully. Hopefully it lines up. Black Widow, Widow Sting Number 1, written by Ralph Macchio. And not the Karate Kid. Art by Simone Buonfantino. Not the Karate Kid either. And it'd be real cool if there was some Karate Kid action here. But this one shot is trying to feel traditional. It's trying to feel like a classic. Instead, it feels like garbage, hot garbage. And it I, it was coming out when you end up having the movie is going to come out, you're going to throw a lot of things out, including facsimile issues, all these things going on. 
this is just not good. It's a generic story. It's a forgettable story. I'm telling you right now, you don't need to read this. Even if you are a Black Widow fan, I think that you would say, yeah, that's not the greatest. But the art looks good. The story, though, it's not great, though. It has bullet points here that you would expect from a Black Widow story of undercover spy work, right? Working for S.H.I.E.L.D. in this. Again, it is a out-of-time, back-in-the-day issue, one-shot deal. Lots of fighting. You get the karate chops and stuff, so we're close to Karate Kid. Not close enough. And a crazy villain who has a plan that really doesn't make a lot of sense but should be fun and cool. All those things wrap up, though, to be a slog of a read that's just so generic and at points doesn't even make sense as you go. And I'll just point out one little thing at the beginning. You end up having Natasha undercover for S.H.I.E.L.D. going into the mansion of Silvio Manfredi, a.k.a. Silvermane. Now, she has a cover story set up. You know, you end up having Manfredi's having a gathering of the bad guys and gals. And it seems as if S.H.I.E.L.D. and Natasha have set up this background where Natasha is there as a second in command to a crime boss who could not make it. But instead of her pulling up in a car, again, she has a backstory. She has a cover. This has been set up. But instead, she goes in as Black Widow and starts fighting guards. Then to find her outfit she's going to wear to the party in the bushes to put it on to go in. Why are you fighting guards to get into a place where you have set up your whole backstory to get there? Now, if you showed that this crime boss was showing up and Natasha knocks him out and then take. That's one thing. But fighting guards, because. What happens when you find these guards? You're there as a crime boss at your mansion, then get get word, probably in your earpiece because you're cool. You know, what's that? There's guards that were knocked out. Okay, we're in lockdown. Let's check everybody out. Oh, wait a second. The one person here who isn't who we thought was showing up and came in at the le- you're the one. You're it's just nonsense. Why would you do it? It's such a weird setup and it's just I'm telling you, it's one of those things that really got me when you go in. But you end up having Silvio Manfredi, a.k.a. Silverman. He's a bad guy. He ends up, he's, you know, too evil. He's having his, you know, toast. But also he says, oh, and by the way, you crime families, I'm running you all now, and you're going to give me half of your money, all of you. And they're like, what? What? We don't want that. That's not this kind of party. If I knew it was this kind of party, I would have put my thing in the mashed potatoes, they'd yell, right? You think? They end up, yeah, and he says, oh, no, no, you're going to have to listen to me because I have the wand of Watum and just shows it. He has the wand. Uh, what what does that do, Manfredi? Anything. He says it. He says that it can do anything. Now, if you have the power of anything with the wand, why would you ever leave it go? Why would you put it away for storage? Well, why? You have this wand. You have just told everybody that. They better listen to you. Yeah, he sends some people through some portals, and he makes some guns turn to ash. But then he gives the, the deal to his, his manservant to go put away, his bodyguard. Bodyguard goes and puts it away in storage. I'm telling you, Manfredi, you have the one of a tomb. You don't have any brain cells because these people now are going to attack you. There's no reason not to attack him when he doesn't have the wand. 
But there you go, because it has to be put away so that Natasha can then go through the gauntlet of traps, all of which it seems she gets through or destroys by using the widow sting that she uses and yells out like she's a cosplayer out in the woods yelling magic missile throwing beanbags at people. And yeah, again, I know too much about that, but you end up with just this nonsense leading then to Manfredi not using the wand on Natasha because if he does, he's just going to kill her. You can't do that. So he shows up in a mecha suit and then fights her. And then it's all done by the end. No fuss, no muss. And as I'm reading the story, I'm it's forgettable by the time you're not even done. I mean, I'm forgetting things as I go. I have some problems with my attention span. But still, you see as it's going like, boy, this is not good. Looks good, though. but. You know, you have all this thing. It it should have been fun. And some of this probably does sound like a little more fun than I'm getting angry about. But it's clunky. It's clumsy. It's a slog. It's garbage. I I, skip this. This is just a one shot. It's just out there. Skip it. It, it, Again, I say skip things and stuff. But if you have Marvel Unlimited, wait for three months now because it's only a three month wait. Check it out. And then you can, you know, write me then. And say, Jim, you were right. I'll have no idea what you're talking about because I've already forgotten about this. What what issue were we talking about? I've forgotten about it. But we're going to go off to the last book of the podcast here, a book that I'm actually I'm actually digging. Uh, now that we've gotten to the kindred stuff, the last remains, I'm I'm digging this amazing Spider-Man by Nick Spencer. One of the problems was he took too long to get there, but we're there. So you know, it may take long to get to the vacation. But you should enjoy it once you're there. And I have been, so let's get into that. All right, let me calm down a bit with Amazing Spider-Man number 51, written by Nick Spencer, up by Patrick Gleason. And we finally get Spider-Man coming face-to-face with Kindred here, but it's just the cliffhanger. How do we get there? Well, after stopping Silk, Doctor Strange gets a little bit of the trusty hand of Vishnu out of storage and starts to send Peter off to his personal dreamscape, but... When Strange, he seems to see that Peter made that deal with Mephisto. He pulls him out and gets pretty pissed and kicks him out of the Sanctum Sanctorum. And really, he's pissed off because Peter really hasn't been on the up and up. Now, Peter doesn't really know about this, but still, it's something that really it takes, you know, Dr. Strange back because he has warned Peter about this in the past. Things like this. And Nick Spencer set it up. Pretty well here. Doctor Strange was already pissed off at Peter for not really telling him everything he needed to know, whether Peter knows it or not. But it was one of those things where he's like, oh, my God, Sin Eater's after me when you end up having Silk attack in the Sanctum Sanctorum. And then we find out through Silk being possessed by Kindred saying, no, 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 I'm Kindred. And it's funny because on the regular podcast, I did this with my man Clay. And Clay even said, like, well, what would that mean to Dr. Strange, the name Kindred? It it just kind of plays off that he's just pissed that he's not being told the whole deal. But the name Kindred shouldn't really ring a bell to him at all. But you end up having Dr. Strange saying, get out of here. I'm going to put away this hand. Uh, It's disgusting. Anyway, it looks like it's all rotten and stuff. Vishnu, oh, my goodness. I'm going to put that away. Get out of town. Well, we see that. 
this wasn't all that was going on. And Peter was being underhanded. You ended up seeing when he ended going to the Sanctum Sanctorum for help from Doctor Strange, he made a bit of a pit stop before, which doesn't quite jive with me. He was running away and and trying to go somewhere so he could save the Order of the Web being possessed by all the Senator Sins and Kindred himself and all this. So to see that he took an aside to go to Black Cat before anything else happened to say, hey, Black Cat, uh, I need you to follow me to the Sanctum Sanctorum. I'm going to talk to Doctor Strange. He's going to bring out the hand of Vishnu. He's going to try to use it. But then he's going to pull away and not use it, put it away. But I want you to steal it, but also record the incantation that he uses so that I can use it later. There's a lot of jumping to conclusions in this deal of Peter going to Felicia to have this done. It works out. It's where you have to go. It it seems very forced, but it allows the scene for Doctor Strange to get upset, seemingly seeing the deal with Mephisto, telling Peter to leave. So that's huge. That's that's huge And what I loved about this issue for then Peter to be able to go against Doctor Strange and use it anyway. You get to where you have to go, where Peter goes into his old dreamscape. It's it's kind of gone to hell. There's nobody cleaning up in the dreamscape. Shit is going wrong in there. It's a crap hole since he last visited and Eventually, though, he does get to the horrific dinner party that Kindred, Harry, if you didn't know, uh, spoiler alert, ends up having. Has the whole place set. You got George Stacy's body. You got Gwen. You got a bunch of other dead bodies there waiting to eat. I don't know what they're going to eat. I thought that they eat, like, brains and stuff. But, hey, I don't know what's on the menu. But Peter ends up showing up. He still doesn't know. That Kindred is Harry This is going to be the big moment The big wow moment We're not quite there yet But the whole deal with Doctor Strange Seeing that deal with Mephet That's huge, that's big And I can't wait to see when Peter finds out about that as well That That's pretty big I mean big, big, big So I like that And that's big enough for me to recommend this book Though you, you force things a little along the way I'm enjoying this. I didn't enjoy this issue as much as the last last one, especially, but I'm, I'm still digging. And it's weird because you have those deals, and, and Amazing Spider-Man's coming out, boom, boom, each week. You end up getting a regular. Then the week after, you end up getting the LR ones with Matthew Rosenberg writing as well. And I, right now, if I if I had to pick, I, I actually like the LR issue better than the regular one here. We'll see if that continues, but I... Really am intrigued and, and liking the idea of Norman going and trying to help Harry, help Kindred. Also, Mary Jane showing up after that nonsense of her movie deal and that amazing Mary Jane book that I just thought was a, a goof. But you end up having that, so we'll see if that continues. Patrick Gleason's art's great. I love it. I always have enjoyed it, even when he was at Marvel, all, or Marvel at DC, all that stuff. So I recommend this. I recommend that if you wanted to jump on Amazing Spider-Man, you hear, oh, man, I I don't want to read it because I hear this Kindred story went on for years and years and years. Go to the Sin Eater story, start there, and then read that. If you want to go back and read stuff, you know, before that with Gog and 
J. Jonah Jameson going as a podcaster. It's fun, but it's not really necessary. Boomerang stuff, very fun. But this is the story. This is the story that everybody's been waiting for. Start at the Sin Eater arc and go forward with that. And I think that you will enjoy it. But thanks, everybody. That's it. That's it for the deal. A little more positive than my DC podcast that I had on the Geek Ultimate Alliance Network yesterday. And I was I was a Debbie Downer there, but hey, I'm trying to be honest with the books. I'm not here as a cheerleader. I'm not a rah-rah type of guy. Just going to be honest. And it is my opinion and my opinion only as I talk. So if you like the books more than me, that's cool. That's awesome, actually. I, I wish that I loved everything. So just keep that in mind if you get angry. Because a lot of people do end up getting angry at me and yelling, oh, man, you didn't like this, you didn't like that. Well, I'm not going to throw the anger back at you because you did like it or didn't like it opposite me. So don't throw it at me. That's all I'm saying. I I don't like getting yelled at. I get yelled at enough here by my wife and five kids. That's enough yelling than any man should ever have. So please, we're here to have some fun, but be honest about it and see which books are good and which aren't. So there you go. Thank you. I'll remind you, go over to our, what is it called? Twitter. Isn't that what the kids call it down at the malt shop? I believe. Twitter. You can go, and that is WS Marvel Comics. If you follow us, we'll follow you back. And I always say that because, to me, that's a common courtesy. It'd be like you're walking down the street and somebody's like, hey there, Jim, what's going on? And I just keep walking. I leave them hanging. You know, they're going to give me a high five and I Tom Brady them and not give it back. You don't want to do that. That's, you know, I don't like leaving people hanging. That's why I like to follow people back. If you think that I am cool enough to follow, then I think you're cool enough to follow back. So there we also have that website, weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com. A lot of books coming out next week. Not sure what I have to review, but. I end up where the reviews, ooh, with all the stuff that I do and all this podcasting, these reviews take more out of me than they ever did. And I'm talking the written reviews. And talking is a lot easier than writing them words. Words are hard. And I don't know if anybody ever told you this, but they are. And it's just nonsense. But, yeah, go over to weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com to read those reviews. And And with that, maybe I'll end right now with a rundown of what will come out next week. I've never really done that before, so maybe we'll start doing that. I do that on the main DC podcast. I haven't really done it on the Marvel one, though. But we have Amazing Spider-Man number 51LR coming out, which I'm looking forward to. We have Atlantis Attacks number 4, which I'm not going to believe it till I see it. This thing has been delayed so long. Shutdown happened, and then I didn't think it was going to come back, but it is. Avengers number 38. See that fiery phoenix, right? The phoenix force. I'm not down with that book anymore. I need it to be more of an Avengers book, but I am the one who does review that on the site, and I'll be talking about it here. Black Widow number three, Kelly Thompson's book that I've been enjoying, and I want to see more of what's going on with, you know, memories gone and things with Black Widow. I think that it could be solid gold comedy with Winter Soldier and and Hawkeye watching her in the bushes seeing what's going on. That's pretty funny. Captain Marvel number 23. I'm enjoying Captain Marvel, one of the books that I end up picking up myself. Deadpool number 8, where we end up with Elsa Bloodstone seemingly stabbing Deadpool in the back. 
And in hell and in that dimension deal We'll see I've not been enjoying that I like Kelly Thompson Not really enjoying her Deadpool Guardians of the Galaxy number 8 Al Ewing story Again something that I wish I liked a little more Miles Morales Spider-Man number 20 Which I do love So I'm looking forward to that Going more of the ultimatum story Which really did intrigue me The last issue And then continuing the stuff with the outlawed stuff Star Wars number 8 Charles' Star Wars book I love And I'm a huge Star Wars fan, so we'll be talking about that. The Rise of Ultraman, number three. And I didn't really love the second issue. We'll see. And this is one, if I don't like The Rise of Ultraman, number three, I will probably be dropping that. Then Thor, number nine. You have Donnie Cates continuing his Thor run as we end up picking up after a two-issue little side deal. And we'll see what's going on there. U.S. agent number one, Christopher Priest, or Priest as he likes to be called. His deal with U.S. agent, we'll see how that is. Number one, that's pretty big. Uh, And then Wolverine Black, White, and Blood, number one, the anthology deal. And I actually got an advanced copy, the review copy, for us doing reviews for that. Looks pretty darn good. So there you go. Maybe we'll do this. And then you also have the X-Men books. X-Men number 14 and Marauders number 14, part of the Ten of Swords going into the second half of that. I don't talk about them here. That's more of the deal I do on our regular podcast in our X-Men only episode. So if you wanted to hear us talk about that, you can go over to our regular main show. But besides that, listen to all the things here on the Geek Ultimate Alliance Network. They have some awesome shows and some things that I necessarily weren't into at before and then started listening to all the things on the network and kind of got fired up about movies and then geek news and things like that but yeah hey everybody thanks uh, i hope you enjoyed this i hope you continue to enjoy this and as well if you listen to the dc roundup show as well and i think i'm going to this week i'm going to set up an email for everybody to email in if they want to and then we'll have a little mail section and stuff as as we kind of you know, mold the podcast. I I feel like the podcast is like some clay there, and then Demi Moore's going, and we're Ghost Patrick Swayze behind, and we're doing that stuff. Yep, we'll get it. We'll get it there. But thanks, everybody, and I'll talk to you later.